Welcome to Peter's Podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. Today, I get to talk to Rachel Scott. I met Rachel back in 2002-2003 when she worked at Bee Yoga. Since then, she's moved to Vancouver. Rachel supports yoga teachers and studios to create transformational educational experiences so they can thrive in their businesses, share their passion, and inspire more people to practice yoga. She's got two master's degrees, led over 20 teacher trainings, and spent 15 years in yoga studio management She's created thousands of hours of curriculum. She's also an author. Rachel is a great teacher, and I had a great time talking with her. Enjoy. Namaste, Rachel. Namaste, Peter. Nice to see you. Good to see you, too. We were just trying to figure out when we had spoken last, and we think it's about a year ago. That sounds um, right, yeah. Yeah, maybe even a little further because I was in um, Crown Heights at the time. So it might have even been, you know, 18 months ago, something like that. But um, a lot has happened since then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And one yes. of the things that's happened since then is a lot of us are now spending so much of our time online, including as yoga teachers, we're spending so much time online. And um, many of us have just sort of been thrust into that screaming all the way. I'm raising my hand right now. <laughs> but you got a much earlier start on thinking about yoga and online. And I wanted to talk with you a little bit about that today. And then also to talk about what, what it is that you're offering. But first, I wanted to start with sort of what have you learned about working with a camera as opposed to a student. Mm. How does that how does that happen? Well, there's 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 so much to that and I think that just to, just to back off and take a really big picture look here, um, I think that one of the good things that's come out of co the COVID kind of catastrophe here is that yoga teachers, um, now the public is more habituated to working online. And while yes. I'm with you, like I wanna be in the studio, I want to, I want to have hands-on assist. I love people touching me. I wanna feel connected to a community of people. Um, and yet that model is actually very limited for yoga teachers as a financial model, because then we, we, it's not like we get paid a ton of money. So we go to a class, we teach a class and we're paid by the hour for everything that we do. So we have to be in person in order to earn any money. And so one of the, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not always a fan of looking for silver lining. Sometimes things are just crappy. Yeah. But in this case, one of the things that I think is really good for um, my fellow yoga teachers who are trying to create a life and a business here is that now that people are habituated to being more online, that allows us to create a library of offerings so that we can earn money and create things of value that can hold up when we're not physically present. Right. And I think that's much more sustainable for us. And, um, and really it was like, first of all, yoga teachers didn't want to do that, but also students weren't really habituated to doing that. And so now that people have been forced to do that, one of the things that I like about this situation is that then yoga teachers have a more willing audience to create those things that can exist beyond time. Right. You know, so, 
Because usually we're doing things where it's your one uh, teaching gets one hearing, but like an author now, we can create one teaching and it can endure and get multiple hearings. Absolutely. And yeah. And then that also helps, helps acclimate people to the world of, you know, create for teachers, creating something like an online course or online workshops and being able to create things, um, that can hold their value and also, you know, be rewatched by students again and again, so that students can really kind of dive deeper into it rather than just hearing it once. So there are some, there are some benefits to that. And what I like is that yoga teachers now can create like valuable libraries. Exactly. So, um, so just like as a big picture view, I just wanted to say, I think friends out there that that's one thing that's helpful, um, at least for us. Absolutely. You know, So I got into the online space um, probably a decade or more ago, no, probably like 13 years ago with a, with a company called Do Yoga With Me, which is located in Victoria. And David, the creator, wanted to create um, a place where people could come and do yoga basically for free. And so he started creating all of this content. And I was one of the teachers who made, and I did it for free. Like I was just in, in the mission and wanting to share this, you know, out. And so he's been doing that now for the last however many years. And, um, and now, and still he's offering it for free, but there's also some, there's benefits you can subscribe and earn money and get money that way. Um, so he was one of the first people, I think, I mean, there were some other big companies in that space, but, um, that's how I started that. Yeah. And and we should make a distinction, I guess, right off that, that you mentioned to me, but, there is like pre-recording things that get broadcast and then there's like live streaming a class where you're actually interacting with students and those could be recorded also, but they're two different animals. Such different animals. Yeah. And I think that when we start to think about the technology that's required for both of those situations, the, the technical requirements are different. The way that we interact or don't interact with the students is very different. Um, and a different kind of student might be interested in, in either one of those experiences. So, um, yeah, so vastly different experiences. And I was I was new to the live stream world. So pre-recorded stuff, you know, and I was an actor, as you say, like, and used to video cameras and that kind of made it easier. It's, it's always weird. People out there who are teaching, it's always weird to be filmed because it becomes like this very self-conscious thing that we kind of have to embrace. And, you know, you have to be aware of, you know, whether or not you're in frame and if your light's good and, you know, how's your sound and, oh, hey, you know, when you do chaturanga, don't hit your mic, you know, right, right. <laughs> and, and like all of those things. So there's like this, uh, this double consciousness that, that happens in pre-recorded stuff um, and basically being on camera in general. And the trick is to become acclimated enough to that so that we can still let our personality and our humanity shine through. Like the first couple of pre-recorded classes I did, I felt very robotic. I was like, and now you place your hands here. <laughs> you know, so personality. And then right. it's, um, but as humans, we relate to the imperfect. We relate to the kind of the weirdness right. and the funkiness and the in the moment stuff. So it's about, so there's a, there's like a, I don't know, an acclimation period of getting used to letting all that stuff in there. Cause you know, and maybe we should talk about them one at a time um, to talk about the pre-recorded stuff kind of first, but it can become so, you can become a perfectionist and you're like, oh, right. that wasn't quite right. And Because we become, we're so used to watching video and we see stuff with ha- such high production values, but that's not necessarily what we're after when we're going to take 
a class from someone. We're looking more for their their shakti to come through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Their personality and their connection. And the, the thing is, you can create for the yoga teachers who are you know in this world now. It's like we can create wonderful yoga classes with very low production value that are perfectly wonderful. You know, and there's going to be those sites out there that are always going to have the teams of, you know, lighting technicians and things like that, that'll make things look, look super slick and super pretty, but we don't have, that's not the bar we have to hit. I think it's about you bringing ourselves to it more and, um, and letting our personality come through and creating authentic connections. That's really the most important thing in terms of teaching yoga. Well, I mean, of course, and the class, but you know, yeah. yeah. Um, So it's funny. We don't need there's always going to be the glossy glossy, but we don't have to do that in order to create something that's a value to our community. We can right. really show up with an iPhone, you know, basically. Well, I mean, so, even, even people who are making films these days are able to shoot them on iPhones. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not an inferior camera, but yeah. people do get really caught up in thinking that they need the best stuff. And I, I recently watched a video of yours where you were recommending microphones and you were, you know, it sort of got me down a little bit of a rabbit hole of stuff you were recommending. And, and you said exactly that, you know, it's enough to be just work with what you have right now. And at some point, if it feels like there's a real reason why the thing you're using isn't serving you, then you could upgrade. Right. Like I happen to be a musician. So I have microphones, out the wazoo and cables and stands. And so I have like a two microphone setup that I use when I record a class, but I only chose that because I was getting sick and tired of turning around and people not being able to hear me. But there are other simple ways to deal with that, like wearing AirPods. And so in one of the videos I watched of you, you sort of walk through what are the pros and cons of the various ways to record. And that's a good way to think of it. It's like, Cons are often, you have to pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And, you know, basically for, so if we, if we think about the formats for pre-recorded versus live stream, basically both of them can be done through your phone. Like if you're, and, and here's the, here's the big picture, like pre-recorded, we can, you can use multiple, like, and I'm just talking about for our yoga teachers at home, not for people out there who are, you know, have a team of (laughs) production assistants, right. But you know, if we're at home, you know, if we pre-record it, then we could do a couple different angles. We could make it perfect by cutting out that time that we fell over or, you know, said the wrong thing or forgot to do a pose. Um, you can, you'll demo the whole time, right? So when you pre-record it, generally people do the practice as they talk it through because you're, you don't have to interact with your students. So it can be good for visual stuff. Um, and I think that, you know, with both of those situations, the two things that you want to be aware of is to have a nice background, like, and it could be just a blank wall, honestly, blank wall with plant, if you're being really, you know, fancy, um, and sound. So when you mentioned sound, I think it's true. We don't have to go overboard, but for me, when I listen to a class, whether it's live stream or whether it's pre-recorded, um, I'm listening to the class. I'm not watching the class for the most part. And of course you're going to have beginners who watch the video, but I think most of us are directed by what we're hearing. And so as teachers, when we're teaching online, that's one thing that we need to be really aware of is that our cues need to be super sharp. And to that end, it's kind of when we're teaching online, I think it's a little bit, and I'd be curious what you do. I tend to teach generally, I'd say it's 
easier to teach simple, simply, like you can have such a profound, simple yoga practice rather than doing, you know, things that you need to demonstrate or transitions that are kind of funky where people get confused. Because if our, if our language isn't crystal clear, people are going to look at the screen and wonder what's going on. Yeah. Um, I think I'm doing a mix because I feel like I'm getting tiresome of teaching too much to a uh, non-challenging level. So I am trying to throw in things and I'm willing to take a minute to say, you know, watch your screen and I'm going to show you something. But I try to keep that to a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But to the sound point, for me, I feel like because of that, sound is one of the things that I would take care of or like take, just be conscious of, because I think when we do do that thing where we, you know, especially if it's live stream um, too, because if it's, uh, well, actually either way, because if we're moving, you're going to lose, the sound's going to come in and out unless you have a, a wireless mic or unless your room and the environment of it is super friendly to picking up what you're doing. AirPods yeah. work. We just, we were kind of chatting about this. The quality of AirPods is a little, sounds a little tinnier to me than a lav. Um, but again, like you say there, and I, I bought, I invested in these Sennheisers, which I absolutely love, but there are also great options that are less expensive than that. That could and be, this, I was talking this, to Julie Blumenthal, actually. Oh, great. The Sennheisers <laughs> are, uh, are the lavalier mic that you're using or the, yes. Yes, they're yes. the lav mics. So let, maybe for people who don't know what we're talking about, let me just back up a little bit. So one of the things with microphones is, they sound better when you're near them. So the problem with teaching yoga is if you are using your computer and you have it set up far enough away that you can see yourself or you can frame yourself for the students, you're now putting yourself far away from the microphone. So that creates a lot of opportunity for echo and it's just not the best position for getting sound in the mic. So you sound far away and or if you come close to the mic to see someone and then you go far away, then they're getting these big volume differences. So two of the options that you've just described, one is wearing AirPods or something like that where your headphones are use, are your mic or a lavalier mic, which you're clipping on your clothing. And then usually lavalier mics these days are wireless. So you're wearing some kind of a transmitter pack somewhere on your uh, slinky yoga outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> right. Rockstar. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's one option. And the option that I described, because I have multiple mics and stands and things like that, is that I'm literally setting up a recording studio with <laughs> mics and cables <laughs> running around. Wow. Right. But, yeah. But I only I think- do that because I'm a nerd and I like it. And your sound is probably amazing, <laughs> but it's, it's good to have, I think it's good, you know, and like you say, the AirPods is probably, or something like that, a wireless a headphone is probably the easiest way to go. Um, and, and not too expensive and then start with that and see how you evolve or how you kind of move forward and what you need from there. And um, sometimes it's your students yeah. who tell you, right? Like I can't, I can't hear you. Right. Or yes. <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, that's a problem. <laughs> yes. Um, and for other l- technical stuff, I mean, um, what do you do with lighting for your classes when you teach? I am currently in a, st- a studio um, where 
there aren't specifically like video lights, but there are these like sort of vertical chandelier kinds of things, almost like track lighting that are shining from either side in front of me. So it's just been perfect for that. And the room has lighting that can light the uh, mat behind me as well. So I'm, I'm using just general lighting, but it's well positioned. In, in other places I've been, I've you know been dragging desk lamps around and things like that to try to get adequate front, front lighting. Because sometimes what looks nice is this beautiful window scene in the background, but then you're silhouetted by the camera. So you have to turn around and now you have to deal with that somehow. Yeah. What about yourself? One of my, if I have my choice, one of my favorite ways to be lit is by daylight. Yeah. So being in, because it's just such a nice, it's white light. Um, and by, and that, by that, I mean that light has temperatures. And this is something that I didn't know until I lit myself poorly and couldn't figure out why I looked so weird. I was like, what's going on? So light has different temperatures. You have cool light, which is like bluer, which is daylight. Um, and you know, when you go to the lighting store, you see those light bulbs, which is like, this is daylight. And I always want to buy the warm bulbs because I want everything to feel cozy. Right. So you have very white bluish light and that goes, and then you have yellow lights, which are different. And so most of the house lights that you, we probably turn on are more yellow and more warm. Daylight is more bluish and more white. And so I find that the best lighting is if I can be in front of a window with natural light coming through, like it's so, it's so nice and beautiful and it's not directly overhead, which makes us look kind of ghoulish or directly underneath, which makes us look like we're in a horror film. But here's the thing that I found out is um, there was one time where I was putting, I was trying to use daylight with also um, like a, a regular house lamp and the house lamp was yellow and the daylight is blue. And I was just looked so crazy. And I was like, ah, and that's when I figured out, okay, you just got to match your lights, at least the ones that are on your own face. So if I'm using daylight, I need to use a light bulb. That's a daylight light bulb. If I want to add more light to that. And if, um, and if I'm just inside and I'm lit by all of my house lamps, well, then they all just need to be warm in the same tone. Otherwise we start to look sort of weird. Right. Um, and if you have an accent light in the back, like it's nice to sometimes have one of those little, you know, I don't know, Ikea lights with the pretty lampshades on them or a candle, like that's, that's okay. But the front light just needs to match. And that was such a simple little thing. I did not know that make, made it so much easier to figure out lighting. Right. You know? Yeah. And the, the cameras, like even the cameras in our computers that mo many of us are using for teaching class, they, they make their best guess. Like they are like auto temperature and so if they see mostly that one kind of light, then anything with the other light will look weird. So, you know, you're, you're, sometimes it's a little trial and error with the placement of the computer or the camera to try to get your, like you say, your face to look right. Yeah. And, and I found too, that sometimes turning lights off was helpful because these days, at least my iPhone is so smart with light. It, it has really, it's really able to use um, very little light in the room. So sometimes turning a light off and then my camera would switch its exposure levels and all of a sudden it would look a lot better. Right. So, so like really playing with it. And, and one thing I would suggest to people out there, whether you're doing pre-recorded or live stream classes is to create a space. And if you can create it and leave it, like the more we have to, I mean, gosh, for me, I remember it was, it took me so long to start creating videos, like 
because I just didn't have the space set up. It was like a barrier to actually just getting on the mat and filming something was like, oh my gosh, I got to move furniture. And I was living in this tiny little studio apartment. I was like, I have to move my couch and all these things to set it up. But it's like, once you choose a spot in your apartment, um, kind of set it up the way you want to figure out what your lighting is and then make it as easy as possible to, you know, to tear it down or to put it up. And if you can just leave it there, then it's, it lowers the bar to filming so much. I mean, then that's, my bar becomes, Oh, I got to put mascara on, you know, that's also a yeah. high bar. for me. Sometimes. <laughs> now that's great advice. <laughs> you don't have to re refigure out the whole equation each time. If even just making notes, like, uh, you know, met, there are a lot of us who can't like leave the studio set up, but, um, but if you have to take it down, if you at least know what you're going to put it back to, even if you do have to yeah. write it down and what did I do last time? It's just smart. Yeah. 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 Well, we get in our own way. And if it's something scary, even if like, and I was, you know, and I did acting for years. And so I didn't, I wasn't scared of the camera, but even so it felt like something new and different to me and a little weird. And it felt like it took effort. And so just the more we can lower that bar to just getting there and doing it, I think the easier, and then it becomes easier every time. Um, yeah. And we can just make it easier on ourselves. And one of the other tools, I'm just throwing like these random things here as we go, but one of the other tools that made it super helpful um, for me, because I used to just like try to prop my phone on like stacked up blocks and on my bookshelf and, you know, stack books up and try to position it. I'd be like, you know what, if, if you're finding that happening to you, just buy a tripod. Right. Like a tripod that you can get a little thing that your phone can stick on because it makes it so much easier to just set it up, adjust the shot, you know, make sure that you don't, you know, you, you align the shot well and, you know, um, position it at the right height. And it just, a tripod makes things so much easier. Um, and so it was like, once I got one, I was like, oh my gosh, no more stacking Harry Potter books to try to like. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you're using, shot. when you're using your iPhone to shoot, are you shooting through the back camera, the big, bigger camera, or the the face one, the one we look at? You know what? I should shoot through the proper camera, but I usually don't. I usually use it as a monitor. Mm -hmm. um, so I usually shoot through it so that I can see it at the same time. Yeah. I mean, ideally, I would turn it around and do it the other way. But for me, I'm not shooting in high enough quality that it would, that I would be impeded by using the front camera. Um, and I prefer to make sure that I stay in shot and, right. you know, can, can kind of have some measure of what I'm doing. And right. one of the things that you want to make sure of when you're, when you're speaking to a camera is that you're actually looking at the camera and that sounds weird, but in the iPhones, they disappear. They're this tiny little circle, you know what I mean? Or yep. on the back, you can see it, but you want to actually look at the camera. Cause if you don't look into the camera, if you're looking sort of at your own face, or offside, then it might look like you're not looking directly at the person you're speaking to once it's recorded. Yeah, and we've learned that um, uh, my wife, Wendy, has an iPad, and that's a serious issue if you turn the thing sideways, because then when you're looking straight ahead, it looks like you're looking off to the side, because the camera oh, wow. is off to the side, right? The camera is, whereas if you turned it you know, tall ways, it works fine, because then the camera's in the middle. Funny. Yeah, and I'm using yeah. a separate camera, you know, like a, D, a DSLR camera to shoot through, and that's tricky because I can get a much better frame, but then I'm not looking. So I'm always 
like you say, we're using books and whatnot to get the screen up to the level of the camera so I can look like I'm looking at the people I'm talking to when I'm looking at people taking class. This right. is in a stream, streaming situation, you know? Yes, I, I have that situation too. Like I use my, the camera on my computer isn't that great. And so I use a web, just a webcam yeah. outside of it. And so I line the webcam up with my mat. So when I need to demo something, but then when I come up and look at my computer and look at my gallery of folks, they lose me out of the frame. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, I come up and I look at them and they can no longer see me or I have to switch in my Zoom, try to be a DJ and yeah. be like, okay, now go to my computer camera. Now go to my webcam camera. Right, right. right. <laughs> and I know a teacher who does that. She's got her one camera by her mat so she can be watching students while she's demoing. And then the other is giving a wide shot of her. And she doesn't switch back and forth, but at least she has the ability to see people from her mat. But right. she had then just logs on twice as whomever. But. Yeah, that's what that's what Julie does. Okay. Um, Julie shoots through her phone yeah. um, for the view of her mat, and then she has her computer, her laptop near her mat. So this gets into kind of best practices for live streaming. So um, how do you balance it when you want to, you know, talk to your students and do you give them feedback while you're teaching? Do you come off the mat? How do you find you balance that when you teach? I do. And, and this, uh, this comes back to something I wanted to ask you earlier when you said that in your uh, pre-recorded videos, you demo everything, right? And sometimes you're cutting to different camera angles if you have that option and whatnot. I find that trying to talk while I'm demoing is really hard. I mean, especially in vinyasa because you're just not breathing <laughs> properly at all. And so I'm, I'm like altering the class so I can stop and catch my breath. <laughs> so um, in our classes at Ishta, we have been um, recruiting our teacher trainees who used to be assisting in class to now come on as demo. So we're able to switch back and forth. So with, when I'm not demoing, someone else is demoing and I'm able to look at the students. And I do make comments and I'm, I'm surprised at how it kind of catches them off guard, but then they make the adjustments and um, people seem to appreciate it. I could probably do a survey and see if they actually do. <laughs> Stop <laughs> talking to me, it freaks me out. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it and it it's it works remarkably well. Of course, they have to frame themselves in order for me to see. And actually, sometimes people don't even want their cameras on, so they're just there in name only. But yeah, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised at how well the classes go, and people seem to appreciate being able to take them sort of without going anywhere, and also people who aren't local and now I'm not even local, right? I'm, I'm outside of the city. People in the city take my class. People in Sweden are taking my class. People in Japan are taking my class. It's just awesome. Now Australia is back in their regular life because they dealt with COVID a lot better. But before they were out and about, they were taking my class. So, you know, I'm like on a 12 hour time difference with people taking class. It's like, is this a morning class or an evening class? 
It's funny. We're taught in teacher training to seek to like to, to plan our class. You know, we consider time of day. Well, it's like now it's a little bit who knows time of day. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. yeah. So let me let's talk a little bit about that. You're you're pre-recording um classes. And when you do that, um, you you can of course just be doing that for somebody or some little group, but also you're thinking about this as something that's gonna go out on the internet and you're hoping to build an audience for it. So what what is that thought process like? Um well I mean yeah, I mean, for for me, I have over now. I have over fifty classes online with Do Yoga with Me, and it's. Um, I have to be honest. Like as a as a student, I don't love taking pre recorded classes. I far prefer taking a live stream class because I because I have a hard time. It's it's easier for me to get out of my head and be in the space when there's other people in community with me also doing that. So there's I an energy to it. Yes, and it. And it, there is, there is an energy to it, which is amazing that that can happen over Zoom. Who knew? Um, <laughs> and I think that with pre-recorded classes, it's really just, um, I don't know. It's like you're creating a 20-minute experience, a 30-minute experience for a student. I try, I try to make them very, like more. I try to be very specific. So if you're creating pre-recorded classes and creating a library of classes, to be specific about what the intention of each class is so that you people coming to your library will be able to see like, oh, this is a class, like a 20 minute flowy, you know, hip opener class, or this is like a fiery twisting class. And to be um, like, when we do pre-recorded stuff, we just need to be more specific about, hey, these are the props that you're going to need. This is what you can expect. And to offer stages very proactively since we cannot see our students, which is like, we can't tell how they're doing. So I think it's good to be very, very conscious of offering modifications and options, um, you know, for anyone like try to imagine who could be taking this class and, and how can I support all of those different bodies out there when I can't actually be in the same place with them. That is such um, an important point. I remember before I, you know, deigned to do things online, my sister in another state said, I'm doing this uh, yoga video and I'm doing this one part, is this supposed to hurt? And I just mm. was like, oh, please, just can you throw that thing away? But, but you know, if someone is taking into account, who knows who's going to be watching this? But it, does it put too much of a responsibility on you to sort of describe criteria for your students, like to build in why should you be doing this version or when should you take this other option? That is so, yes, that is very, very smart and astute. And I think that's, I think that we should do that anyways as teachers, but particularly online, it's to give students really practical, tangible, recognizable benchmarks for why you would do one version versus another and to empower all of them. Like, oh, this, you know, here I am in side angle pose and, oh, there's, I still have space between my waistline and my thigh. That means I can take my hand here. And if I still have space between my waistline and my thigh and can keep my side waistline, I can take my hand here. Or, oh, if I can keep my chest broad, then I can, you know, so we give them things where they can self-assess themselves. And I also think when we're doing things in a pre-recorded fashion or online, 
it can be really helpful to have students touch themselves or to cue them to certain kinds of awarenesses, like take your eyes, look at your knee. Is your knee over your ankle? What do you see? Or take your hand, place it on your ribs. Can you use that to turn yourself? So we try to, you know, I build in those more of that self-reflection so that the students can really um, take the path through the practice that works for them. And also to create a greater context for your practice, whether it's something that you say at the beginning or it's like something that's part of every intro that you do, where it's, you really empower people to listen to their bodies. So we're, so we're not presenting this practice as like the ideal form of some sort of, you know, yoga class. I think that's um, I think that's good teaching generally, and I think particularly heightened for this kind of format. Yeah, because like, for instance, at Ishta, we have such a that's such a bedrock thing of every single class. So people who come there all the time know that, but for someone coming just from the general audience looking for a yoga class. They don't know that necessarily for all they know. I mean, everything else they might've seen has been a sort of g- gymnastics-y kind of class. And they don't even necessarily know what yoga's for. Yeah. Like what is, what are the eight limbs of yoga? So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so now that we have like a, a notion of what you think about in terms of this, what are you offering in, in, um, in terms of these classes you've been doing for a long time, but also in the newer things that you've been putting together. Yeah. So I, um, so I've really been enjoying the live streaming. Um, I'm doing two classes a week and I started it because I'm, I, I left Vancouver about a year ago. And when I did that, I, I was teaching eight classes a week or so when I was in Vancouver. And then I wasn't teaching regularly for a year. Basically I took a year off of consistent teaching and I was like, I'm, I miss people. I miss this. So I created, (laughs) I created some opportunities to, to teach. And I created a, I wanted to do a sequencing course to help people with sequencing. And I thought this is perfect. I'll do two classes a week. My sequencing mentees can come so they can watch me do the sequence. So they get a sense of what it's like. Um, And then I'll invite anyone who wants to come to come and, you know, hang out and, and do these practices. And so that was I've been doing a few live streams for teacher trainees, but honestly, it's a different, if it's a, it's a slightly different animal. So when I teach for teacher trainees, I'm sitting in front of the camera, I'm looking at them. I do very little demoing. I'm watching them because my goal for those practices is to be able to give them feedback so that they can um, have a more refined understanding of their own practice. And they're not, if they're taking this teacher training online and at home, there's no one in studio giving them feedback. They could be doing something really um, interesting in their body and never get feedback. So I was like, that's my, that's my point. Never get feedback. If you're busy demoing and you can't see them. Yeah, exactly. And so for, and I, and I kind of love what you were saying just about the live stream. I just have to, I have to, um, I want to jump in and reinforce this idea of um, that the live stream practice is really, it's, I think it's really important to be able to own your classroom and teach it like, it's your classroom. Like you have an in-person classroom. Well, this is your online classroom. So to, to watch students and to, I really love giving them feedback. And I think people, especially right now, really enjoy getting that for the most part. And I just want to share with you something that I came up with. Um, I'm sure other people have come up with it too, but I have my students, you know how in class we offer, if you don't want hands-on assist, you know, do this, whatever. So what I have them do at the beginning is I say, if you don't want verbal assist in class, 
rename yourself and just put like an A next to your name, no assists. So that that way, when I go and I look at all their little boxes, their Zoom boxes, I can see like, oh, you know, this person doesn't want to be, you know, for whatever reason, exposed or chatted about in front of a group of people. And I felt very, I felt very, I was like, this is a great idea. I'm so glad. It's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because I love giving that feedback to students. And I feel like, I feel like right now, because we can't touch them, it's really important to feel seen. And I think it helps create that sense of community. And my favorite part of teaching live stream has actually been like the before and the after class is chatting with people and like, you know, being like, Hey, how are you? And where are you at in the world? And then hanging out afterwards. And that's so nice to be able to connect with students that way. It's huge. And precious. I think I appreciate it more now than I did in person in the studio for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. And also, uh, I mean, this is a little bit jumping around, but the other students who've been able to come to the live stream classes are those who maybe they took teacher training with you and then something changed in their life. Like they moved away or they had a child or, you know, they, you know, they got too busy, but now they're able again, because it's so such a small investment to just log on, they can come again. It's been really beautiful. I, yeah, I, it is. And I, and I think that's, again, if we're thinking about silver linings, it really, it, it makes it so much easier. They don't have to get in their car and go to a studio and take two hours away from their kid. They can just, you know, come in their living room. And if they need to go, you know, you know, hang out with their kid or something goes on, they can, and then they can come back if they have to. And, right. and, and what I noticed too, I was shocked actually um, when I launched the mentorship, um, I was, I was so surprised because the students are like your students, they're from all over. I thought, Oh, Oh, it'll probably be the majority from Vancouver, but not at all. Like there's people from everywhere. And that's, and that was so exciting and wild to me that we could actually, we, we really have this global community and this ability to just connect with people from all over the place. Um, and yeah, I've been, I've been really moved by how, um, connected I feel to them and by how I, and I'm so glad that it is possible to create community online because I didn't realize how much I needed it until I didn't have it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you're doing this mentorship program. Yes. Six months long. It's like, I was so excited about it. I wanted to do something like this for so long. Um, so I'm doing a sequencing mentorship and what we do is they get a, a new seat. We have a new peak pose every week. I'm basically it's peak pose sequencing. And then we do it once in the Hatha style and once in the flow style for the classes each week. And then, you know, and I, I, I put it on through an online course um, so that they have, you know, downloads and more information and teaching tips and things like that about that thing every week. So we're doing that. And that's a, that's a six month journey. Um, and when you say an online fun. course, you mean that's that's like a structured software thing? Yeah. So I use um, I use there's lots of platforms out there that just basically they're glorified websites, but they're designed in a way to make it really easy to deliver content. Um, and so I use something called Thinkific, and it's basically it just helps me to organize my content in a way to say, okay, here's our overview for the week. Here's the peak pose. Here's the stages of it. Here's the component parts. Here's a download about it, and then during the week. So they get kind of all that background information within the course. Um, 
and then it's released one, one piece a week. So they get like one new pose a week. So it's kind of scheduled out and then we do the practices. Um, and so that's, yeah, so that's what I'll be, that's kind of like the, fo- it's wonderful because as a teacher, it forces me too to be more specific about my sequencing and to refine my skills because I'm showing up for people who are going to be like, why did you do that? Oh, and, if I, and if my answer is, I don't know. I just felt like it, it's not going to be good <laughs> Yeah, I know that well. I always find when I've got a teacher training uh, section to teach, suddenly my class becomes all about that thing, you know? <laughs> So, yeah. So, um, you're, I'm going to, I'm going to get the spelling of that thing that you just said was the platform, but, um, you have, um, your own website as well that you market the things that you do. And is that a good way for people to find out about what you're up to? Oh, sure. My, um, probably the easiest way to just keep track of me and to connect would be on either Facebook or Instagram. Um, I'm Rachel Scott yoga. My website is Rachel yoga. You can tell I got it. I got it early. Yeah. <laughs> right. A long time ago. That's for sure. Um, but, but my website is mostly, is mostly oriented to my work, um, helping studios and teachers create educational programs and online programs. Cause that's part of what I do. Yeah. We spoke um, so a little bit about that last time, but let's, let's just remind what, what that is that you, you spent so much time in the, the studio world that you became kind of an expert at that. Yeah. Well, I, and well, mostly my passion is, is education. And so I was uh, the director of a teacher's college for a long time. And then I, well, not a long time, like eight years. And I went back and I earned my master's in instructional design, specifically in online learning, because I felt like, um, I felt like we have so many beautiful, impassioned yogis who are organic thinkers who might not necessarily think in ways that are structured, which is what makes them amazing at what they're doing. But it also makes it hard for them to sometimes transmit their work in a way that is very, um, you know, understandable and easy to grasp. And certainly for online, things have to be so massively structured online because uh, you, you're not in the moment with somebody. You can't sort of just vibe off the room. So I wanted to take my understanding of education and then help other people in our community, other you know studios and teachers, help them create education uh, so they can share it with their students. And so that's um, now a big part of what I do is I help studios and teachers to create either in-person education and now online education um, to basically, you know, share their knowledge in a way that's really effective. And so, uh, but of course I love teaching and I'm a teacher trainer as well and help to run an online teacher training program. And so my world is kind of split between, you know, being faculty and then also helping other people to, um, you know, create those programs for themselves and for their own students. That's brilliant. Sounds like you would be, I would be exhausted if I were doing all of that. (laughs) But you have a lot of energy. <laughs> less, less, less now. But yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's actually it's just like having lots of different pieces that all kind of um, serve. And what I find now is that I'm actually not doing a, some of the pieces that I created for the educational world. I created online courses. So here's a here's a, a you know a program for that leads you step by step for how to oh, create either great. an online courses. Yeah. So I don't. So this is why online is so helpful. It's like I put my brain in a box, and there it is. And if people want that information, then there it is, and I can also talk to them. But um, 
again, it, we comes back like full circle to that thing of it's great to use online courses because we can create something that is valuable and then people can just do it on their own time whenever they can. We don't always have, we don't have to be there in person anymore um, as much. So, so that keeps it, you create something and then it's created. Yay. And Yay. So it makes it easier. <laughs> right. Right. Then you just have to market it. Oh, that Peter, that is the worst. That is the worst. I never knew how much I'd have to try to like, yeah. Right. Marketing is, it's so true. I would rather just create things and let let someone else market them, but you're right. They're like little plants. You have to just keep letting people know that you've done stuff so that they know where to find the resources. Yeah. Huh. I'm not, I'm not great at marketing. I gotta be honest. That sounds like a whole other podcast. Anyway. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. And uh, it's been great to catch up with you and see what you're doing it's back in Canada. Yes. In yeah. Vancouver, no less, which is like sort of its own Canada. <laughs> it's like the Canada of Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I've been talking to someone else who's in Vancouver uh, a bunch, and it sounds like it's been quite, quite nice up there lately. So... Yeah. Yeah. Well, enjoy enjoy your time and happy holidays to you and stay safe and uh, we'll talk again, I hope. Thank you, Peter. It's so nice to see you. Yeah, likewise. Namaste. Namaste. Thanks for listening to Peter's podcast, a podcast about real yoga, actual happiness and deep living. Please support Peter's podcast on patreon.com where there are lots of options for keeping this podcast afloat and gaining some guidance as well. I wish you all a very happy holiday season. And if you're looking for something to do on Thanksgiving morning before you get going with whatever else you're doing on Thanksgiving, I'm teaching a masterclass at ishtayoga.com. So please check that out. There's a link in the show notes. Come and join me. We'll do a bit of gratitude and a bit of practicing and meditation to set you up right for this day of the year. Take care. See you soon. Namaste. Mm-hmm.